Oh, goodness, many years ago, I guess about 15 years ago now, I was a graduate student at Asbury Seminary, and we um, had an opportunity to travel the whole cohort of students, 11 of us. Um, a couple people brought spouses. Um, I brought my oldest son, Nicholas, who was 14 at the time, and we traveled uh, to London, England. And I remember the dean of the school saying to us, who also traveled with us, listen, this is not a London holiday. <laughs> we are going on a, on a on a mission. We are going on a, a, a study tour. We are we are going to to learn and to absorb um, what's going on in this particular case at Holy Trinity Brompton Church, but also to go to Oxford to um, to be uh, in the steps of of John Wesley to um, to kind of soak in that. Uh, that spirituality and training and and come back better prepared. Again, we're not going to London <laughs> on a holiday. We're going to study. Um, uh, he did that little poem, Pussycat, Pussycat, where have you been? Uh, I've been to London to see the Queen. I can't remember exactly how it goes. Uh, uh, Pussycat, Pussycat, what did you see there? And What did it see? I don't remember. Nothing much, you know, uh, tea and crumpets or something like that. It missed the whole event. And he's saying to us, pay attention. We're here to learn. Well, sure enough, that's what we did. And it was um, it was busy. We um, we landed and um, immediately in the morning went about uh, going about business, uh, going to churches and the like early in the morning because you land at six or seven in the morning and went all through London. And by, um, you know, five o'clock, it was time for evening prayer. Went to St. Paul's Cathedral. We sat down in the choir stalls up by the high altar and were um, it was uh, even song men's and boys choir. Um, and my 14 year old son, who was seriously jet lagged on one side of me and my dear friend Derek on the other side of me, neither one could keep an open eye as they um, drifted off to the land of Nod. And I had to spend the entire time nudging both sides. Well, this is what the, the whole t- trip was like. It was busy, busy, busy. But then one afternoon, the dean says, "Okay, you get a few hours. Go see the city. And so we jumped in taxi cabs and on the tube and all the things that you can do and and went off and caught a couple museums and um, saw some great stuff. And and then several of us met um, outside of the of the V&A Museum, the Tori and Albert Museum. And and then we went to um, to go find some snacks. And one of our students was from Scotland and he was from Edinburgh. And he says to me, let's go to this crepe shop. And I said, a what? He said, a crepe shop. And I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. You know, and I would do this a lot with him because he has a lovely accent. It's fantastic. It's nothing like my flat, Midwestern, uninteresting style of of speaking. But sometimes uh, my ears aren't attuned. And and so after seven times of saying crepe, I I still had no idea. I said, I'm sure it's going to be great. Why don't we go and get them? And as we go to the shop, I said, oh, it's a crepe shop. He said, that's what I've been saying. You know, like, no, you haven't. I don't know what you were saying, but you weren't saying Crepe. You were saying something that sounded quite differently. Um, and we all had a good laugh about it. And went in and had crepes or crepes or whatever you have. And, um, and what a wonderful way to finish off a day. I thought about how that word, you know, the way sometimes we say a word and it just strikes us so differently, even though it's just a slight variation and we hear something totally different. And such is the case in the gospel today. We hear word kingdom. We are the kingdom of heaven. And I think the whole thing is just messed up in our heads from the get-go. We think kingdom because we think we know what a kingdom is. A kingdom 
is ruled by a king. But if you're thinking about a kingdom of the medieval ages or a kingdom of the uh, ancient Near Eastern world, you probably aren't thinking anything like what Jesus is saying when he says kingdom. Because what is a kingdom in the ancient world? It's a realm ruled by an autocrat. It's a realm ruled by somebody who wants to not only protect borders, but expand them. It's a realm ruled by somebody who is wealthy and wants to become wealthier. It's a realm ruled by a person who has this divine right of authority and everyone else is to be subjected to that authority. It's a realm of power and wealth and control. This is what a kingdom is like. And then when you say the kingdom of heaven, well, that must mean that God is just like those earthly kings that we have. A king who's consumed with power and wealth and control. And the kingdom of heaven must be a kingdom that's in another place because we are on earth and heaven must be somewhere else, that, that place where God dwells. And so you can see it's crepe and crepe. It's a, it sounds like it's the same word, but in this case, it's actually something quite different. The kingdom of heaven is the kingdom ruled by God. In, in Matthew's parlance, he would not say the kingdom of God because as, a, um, as an observant Jew in the first century, you don't actually say God. You, you only refer to God by reference. God is the ruler of heaven. Therefore, to say the kingdom of heaven is to say the kingdom of God. Mark has a little different sort of take. He's much more um, um, Hellenized, and so he'll say kingdom of God, as does Luke. But Matthew doesn't. It's very deferential. Maybe if you have some uh, Orthodox Jewish friends, they might say, speak of God and call God Hashem. Have you ever heard that? Hashem. The name. It means just the name. That God is the one who has this, this four-letter name, this tetragrammaton, the four-letter name. And, and so in Matthew saying the kingdom of heaven, he's saying the kingdom of God. But he's saying it in a way that kind of fits with his own sense of piety. Jesus tells us the kingdom of God is like things that we know, but things that are quite work quite differently than we would expect a kingdom to function. The kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms of, heaven, of earth. The kingdom of God is not like this realm. What is it like? How does he, what sort of similes does Jesus use? It's like a mustard seed. It's tiny. It's a tiny little seed. It's, it's like a, you know, a, a grain of pepper or um, caraway seed or something like that. It's a tiny little seed. And a farmer plants it and it grows. And it grows and it grows and it grows into a shrub, into a little tree. It's, it becomes so big that birds kind of land in it and build nests and live in it. it. It becomes, instead of something they eat, it's something that they live in. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is like something that's really tiny. And it gets planted. And it grows and it grows and it grows. And the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman puts into a, a lump of flour to measure the flour. So she measures three measures of flour, adds water and yeast, and then kneads it 
and lets it grow. And what does the yeast do? I mean, we know in a, in a scientific way, even more so than, than ancient people, but they knew how it worked. That you put a little bit in and pretty soon it just goes through the whole thing. The yeast is making its way, it's working its way throughout the entire loaf of bread. The kingdom of heaven is so small, like a tiny little seed, like a little bit of yeast. And it grows and it grows and it grows. It penetrates through and through. But it's like something else, too, isn't it? It's like a treasure. It's like this man who who finds this treasure. And so he, he hides it in the ground. And then he sells everything that he has and he goes to the guy who owns the ground and says, I'll buy this land from you. He doesn't want the land, does he? He wants the treasure that's buried in it. And so he sells everything he has to to buy that land, to gather that treasure. The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl. Another another wealth kind of uh, simile metaphor, isn't it? It's like a pearl of great price. And, and when somebody finds it, they, they sell everything they have so they can have this pearl. They need this part. This is, this is so valuable, so precious, so wonderful. They sell everything they have to get it. One more, the kingdom of heaven is like a net. It's like a net that fishermen use and they throw it out into the sea and then they pull in this great catch. And then they get over to the shore and they say, oh, we don't like mackerel, but we do like salmon. And so they sort through and they, they get the good fish and leave the bad. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It's tiny. It's infectious. It's valuable. It gathers people together. This is the way God is at work in the world. This is the way that God is at work. And the kingdom isn't about some sort of realm of, of power and authority. Although there certainly is that. It's about this, this identity of people who begin to realize that God is king. That God really is king. And because God is king, that he brings all this joy and delight and, and wonder into their lives. And they're so thrilled. They're so thrilled by this kingdom that they sell everything they have. They say nothing is more important than this kingdom. Nothing is more important than than being part of this this family of God in the world. That it's more than uh, some sort of ethnic identity. It's more than some sort of age participation. No matter how young or old, no matter where you come from in the world, no matter who your parents were, that you get to be part of this family of God. Who wouldn't want this? And that you get this relationship with God where He restores and brings life and joy. And who wouldn't want this? Oh my word, you, if, if, if we knew how beautiful it was, Jesus is saying, you'd sell everything you had to get that. There would be nothing more valuable. Are you planting little seeds anywhere in the world? Are you planting little seeds through kindness? Are you planting little seeds through generosity? Are you planting little seeds through tolerance and understanding? Are you planting little seeds through, through a, a sheer delight in other people, in other human beings? 
Because if you are, you might think, oh, this is a waste of time. It seems like nobody's even listening and not even paying attention. <laughs> you know, as a university student for years, or professor rather for years, and, and I had these students and I'm thinking to myself, are they even listening? Do they getting any of this? You know? Uh, and they do. Oh, they do. Just keep planting those seeds, those little seeds. They'll grow up. I promise you they will. They'll grow up in the lives of your children and your grandchildren, of your brothers and your sisters, your nieces and your nephews. They will grow up. They will. These little seeds will take root and they'll, they'll plant up. These, these little trees will grow up. It'll infect and invade their lives. If they see in you and see in me this value for the kingdom, that we would set everything else aside for this. Everything else is set aside because this is something we have to have. I remember the story um, that took place in Romania in the um, in the late 1980s, and in Romania under Ceausescu, it was a it was a violent dictatorship. It was an anti-Christian. It wasn't just um, secular in the typical communist way. It was anti-Christian. And that there were there were uh, secret police that would go and 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 find Christians, round them up, arrest them. Um, it, Romania was a, a, you know an, an Orthodox country, so there's still deeply religious people that held on, and 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 there was a strong evangelical presence. And and in one of the evangelical churches in Romania, it was a church about like this, and and there were maybe a hundred people gathered in. And one morning they were they were beginning worship like we did today. And in came armed gunmen from the back of the church. And two of them stood at the back door. And one of them went to the front and held a, a machine gun to, to the pastor's head. And said, you have ten seconds to get out of this church. And if you stay, you will all be shot. And about two seconds waited and people started bolting for the doors. They were gone. Out the windows, everything they could get. And, and, and it goes on and then they left and there's just a few people left. Just a few left in their seats. And the gunman said, so you've decided to stay. And they shut the back doors. And they walked up and they laid their guns down and they said, brothers, now we can worship. You would give everything to worship this God. Would you give everything? Or is, is this the most important thing in your life? Is it the most important thing in mine? This is a pearl of great price to belong to this kingdom. It is, a, it is a treasure you would sell everything you have for. Jesus says, this is the kingdom. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And at the end of time, the big net's going to go out and gather them all up. And the angels will do the separating. Remember this. Not you and me. We're not called to be separators. We're not called to be evaluators. We're not called to be judges. God will dispatch the angels and he'll do the judging. Until that time, we're just kingdom planters, seed planters, yeast pourers. I don't know what you do with yeast. We are treasure hunters who do everything for this kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is not about soldiers fighting. It's not about enlarging borders. It's not about keeping the aliens out and the good people in. It's about a life that is offered through God to all people in all places. 
The kingdom of heaven is like so many things. But in truth, it's unlike anything else. It's just that important. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.